March 27th, 2016. It was Easter Sunday two years ago. Most of you, most of you, majority of you didn't know me then. And I didn't know the likes of many of you back then. Pastoring in another church. March 27, 2016 was Easter Sunday two years ago. And at the church that I was honored to be pastoring at the time, we had a record attendance. It was, it, was, it was awesome. It was, it was a wonderful Sunday. The Spirit was there. We celebrated together. And at the close of this service, I don't even remember what I preached on that day. doesn't matter. Just like most of you don't remember what I preached on last week. It's okay. Here's the point. At the close of that service... I walked behind this cattle trough. It was toward the back. And 13 individuals came up one at a time, confessed their, their relationship with Jesus, said, here's where I stand in my relationship with Jesus. And I had the great privilege of baptizing 13 individuals on March 27, 2016. I was... I mean, if, if a normal Sunday puts me here, I'm up on the ceiling when I go home. Just, what a great Sunday! And I looked at Kim, and, and uh, she said something about the number of people there, and how many did we baptize? And 13, and praise the Lord! And it wasn't long after that, on Easter Sunday morning, I looked at her and I said, but you know, we have to leave. And she said, yeah, I know. We had both come to that, that conclusion. God had, had laid it on our hearts and on our minds, and we didn't know why. You know, everything that, that was, if I had laid it out on paper, everything that I could put out there said, stay right where you are, things are going very well. Why would you ever leave this church? A week after that, we sat in our living room with our conference superintendent. We looked at him. We said, hey, it's time for us to leave. Of course, his reaction, I don't know if you remember this conversation, Kim. His reaction was, are you sure? Now, what we didn't know was that on that very same Sunday, a week after Easter, your pastor stood here, Pastor Wayne Neely, and shared that difficult news with you that he was leaving, that he was stepping down as your pastor. And some of you, I can just tell by the looks on your face, took that very rough still. Now you didn't know that you were going to get such an awesome pastor, okay? That's right. That was a joke. That was a joke. That was to break the, the seriousness. No, but, but no, the reality is, in all honesty, I didn't know what awaited us. I did not know that the Washington church was, was going to be our new home. I didn't know that we were going to be appointed here, called here. And so we told our conference superintendent, yes, we're stepping away. Put our name in wherever you see fit. And just to say, as we told our kids, 
And even Kim and I, as we wrestled with it, we said, are we, are we certain about this? You know, we, we went back and forth several times, but we just kept going to the Lord in prayer and saying, God, are you sure about this? Maybe you've made a mistake. Maybe you've told us something that was meant for somebody else, right? We didn't know what lie ahead. And it was very difficult. Here's the reality, friends. Each and every one of us are called to step into the unknown, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. Have you ever been called into something that's unknown? And you deal with a lot of discomfort, don't you? I don't want to do that, God. You're, you're telling me I have to go over here. I don't want to do that. This right here, this is what I know. This is what I'm, I'm comfortable with, God. I'm, I'm fairly good at it, I think. So just leave me alone. Just call somebody else. You ever said that? We've been in this, uh, we, we started a series last week called Marching Forth. Here's what I want you to know. Marching forth with God means marching into the unknown with Him even when it's uncomfortable. Because if God calls you to march into the future, He calls you to march into the unknown, often, often, it's very uncomfortable. And I don't want to go there because I know this area. Last week, I said most of you probably can't remember what I preached on last week, so let me remind you. Here we go. Last week, we read about that transition, a leadership transition between Moses and Joshua. Does it ring any bells now? Moses was dead. And God says to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, go and lead my people. It was a time of, of great uncertainty. Why? Because the Israelite people, the two million people that Moses was the leader of at this point, he was the mouthpiece of God, so to speak, to them. He had talked with God face to face. He came down from the mountain radiating with the presence of God. These two million Israelites, they looked at Moses and they said, that's what we know, that's the leader we're comfortable with. God, don't give us another leader. We're not yet into the land that you promised us. You have not yet fulfilled all the promises that you've given to us. So don't give us another leader, God. Leave us right where we are and Moses will be our man. But God says, no, I've got another plan. Here's Joshua. But before Joshua goes before the people, God gives Joshua this promise, this encouragement. It's in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, Do not be terrified, Joshua. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I'd love to hear those words from God. Just as, I mean, I can, I can read those words and say, those are meant for me too, God. I'll own those words. I'll, I'll, take, I'll take possession of those, God. I'll, I'll hold them in my heart. I'll write them in my life. But I'd love to know that God had that message, that specific message, as He did for Joshua. And then He speaks it down for me, to me. I'd encourage you, by the way, if you haven't yet, turn to Joshua in your Bible or in one of the pew Bibles or if you're following along on Bible app, as I say, every week it's out there for you. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. It's number six in your Bible. 
I don't know what page number it is. It's Joshua chapter 1. I just read that. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now I say I'd love to hear those words spoken to me, but here's the reality, church. These words, this promise, these words of encouragement, they are meant for us. God wants to speak those words to us. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. See, friends, when we are called into uncertainty, when we are called into discomfort, we must rest in this promise. Without this promise that God is with us, I don't know how people do it. I don't know how people face life if they don't, if they don't have a confident trust that there is a God going before them, that there is a God providing for them, a God that says, don't, don't worry, don't be discouraged, don't be afraid, because I've got this, and I've got you. Marching forth in God's promise, Joshua, now he's confident. He's confident. Why is he confident? Because God told him to be confident. Right? But that wasn't enough. It wasn't enough for God just to say, Joshua, go forth and be confident. Well, I'm going to do it because God told me to be confident. That's not enough. Joshua had to actually believe that God's Word meant what it said. Joshua had to move forth knowing that when God said, I've got this and I've got you, that he actually did. That it meant that God meant what he said. So Joshua moves forward with this confidence in God. He's not discouraged. He's not afraid. He moves forward. And he goes before the people and he tells them to do two things. Calls them, rather, to do two things. The first, well, let me just read Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people, he tells the priest. So, there's two things. First, consecrate yourselves. Purify yourselves. Make sure that you are right before the Lord. Make sure that there's nothing in your life that is impure. Nothing in your life that's going against the will and the way of God the Father. So Joshua says, consecrate yourselves, church. Consecrate yourselves, Israelites. For tomorrow the Lord is going to do amazing things among you. Then he turns to the priests. He turns to his leadership team, the priests, and he says to them, take up the Ark of the Covenant, lift it up high, and go before the people. What he's saying to them is that God's presence must go first. We must focus on God's presence because if God's presence doesn't go first, if we don't focus completely on that, we are lost. We are hopeless. Joshua called them to consecrate themselves, keep their focus on God. Why? Because God was about to do amazing things among them. Now friends, I, I'm not going to go on with that because I just preached on that. That was my sermon last week. Okay, good, good, good. Okay, so here's... The, God said, I'm about to do amazing things among you. But the Israelites, there's two million people, they couldn't see it yet. You ever, you ever been there? God says, I'm calling you into an unknown. I'm calling you even into discomfort. But I just don't get it, God. I don't see 
things the way you see them. Why? Because I can't see into the eternal future. I don't know how all these things are going to play out in my life. I don't know how all these things are going to play out in the, the lives of the people that I interact with. God, I don't see how this even relates to an eternal plan yet. So God, why don't you just leave me here in the comfort that I'm used to? That's where the Israelites were. We don't, we don't want to go forward with Joshua. We don't want to go forward into the unknown. Remember now, friends, if you know this story, Moses led the people out of Egypt. They were comfortable there. They were slaves. They were beaten. They were treated miserably. But we hear him say later, we were comfortable back in Egypt. Well, God, why didn't you just leave us back there? They romanticized the past. Ouch. But now they're in the desert. A bunch of whiners, a bunch of complainers. Why didn't we just stay back in Egypt? Suddenly, when Joshua says, guess what, guys? God's going to lead us into the future. He's going to lead us into this promised land that we've heard about for thousands of years. No, Joshua, I don't know about that. Why don't we just stay here in the desert? You know, the manna that we're getting every day, it tastes horrible. But at least that's better than marching into something that we're, we don't know yet. At least that's better than marching into something that we're not familiar with. At least that's better than marching into something that might bring us some discomfort. That's where they were. God was calling the Israelites to leave that desert comfort and enter in a radical unfamiliarity of Canaan, the promised land. Friends, I, I say all this because I believe that God is calling us. He's about to do amazing things among us. Do you believe that? God is about to do, I, I say that with all confidence, God is about to do amazing things among us, but marching forth into the future means marching forth into uncertainty with God even when it's uncomfortable. Two things. Two things I want to tell you as we continue. Because remember, I haven't even gotten to the real Scripture passage yet. This has all been review. I've got an extra hour. You're joking. Two things I want to tell you to make you a little bit uncomfortable. Okay? Maybe, maybe they make you uncomfortable. They make me uncomfortable. First, we must realize that our comfort is eternally insignificant. God does not care. Now, 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 now here you, now I got your attention, don't I? Maybe that's how I should start every sermon. God does not care about your current comfort level. He doesn't care about your current comfort level if it means that eternity will not be fulfilled. We are here for a purpose, and that purpose is to glorify God and prepare to spend eternity with Him. To point other people to Him. And so if it brings a little discomfort in my life, if I don't like the current situation that I'm living in, I look at somebody else and I say, well, they've got it far better. I want to tell you, God doesn't care all that much about your comfort. So I say it again, we must realize that our comfort is eternally insignificant. And we must remember this. Our unknown 
is never God's unknown. Our unknown is never God's unknown. He can see into eternity. He knows what that purpose He has created you for, why He has placed you here, why He has given you the blessings that He has given you, and why He has withheld other blessings that He has given to other people. We must remember that our unknown is never God's unknown. So when God calls us to march forth with Him, when it's unknown and uncomfortable, there's two concepts in that we need. First, just as God said to Joshua, first we need the courage to move past uncertainty. The courage to move past challenges. The courage to move past our fears. Anybody have a fear? Amen. Yeah. I'm convinced that at some point, God's going to call me into an area of life that is filled with little tiny mice. I'm convinced of it. I'm scared to death of it. I kid you not, if the, if, if the church parsonage had a mouse problem, I would have delayed coming here. Hand raised. No joke. But we must, all joking aside though, we must have that courage to move past our uncertainty. There's bigger things in life than mice, friends. And we must have the faith to believe that God is good and He is for our good. If we don't have those two things, then we cannot move forward into the uncertainty. We cannot move forward when it's uncomfortable. So just as, as God called the Israelites to be strong and courageous, we must do the same if we are ever to experience the future that He has in store for us. Are you with me? Amen. Some of you are still back on the mouse comment. Okay, now let's start the sermon. I'm about out of time. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. Here we go. Joshua 3, verse 14. All this behind us, here we go now. The people break camp in the desert. Verse 14. When the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage. That is, the Jordan River is at flood stage. I'm going to say it again. The Jordan was at flood, flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan, their feet touched the water's edge. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is, the Salt Sea, was completely shut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all of Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. Two million people walking through the Jordan River, through the, 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 the bed of the Jordan River on dry ground while the priests are holding the Ark of the Covenant high in the air. Let's unpack this. 
God chooses to lead the Israelites across the Jordan River into Canaan, into the promised land. This is the land that they have heard about for thousands of years, never seen. This is a land that for, for 40 years Moses tried to get them to enter into and they just complained about it and said, no, 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 we're too afraid. No, those people over there, they're too big, they're too strong. We can't possibly conquer that land. God must have made a mistake. Now they're crossing through the Jordan River into this promised land. But when God... This is so strange. When God chose to lead them across the Jordan River through the bed of the Jordan River. He chose to do it during the harvest season when the Jordan River is at flood stage. Meaning that the, the banks of the Jordan River are completely muddy. You'd sink down to your waist in the mud. The water is high and rushing past. You see, friends, God chose the most difficult time possible for the people to pursue His promise so that, I believe, He could demonstrate His power and His faithfulness to them. And He very well may do the exact same in your life and in my life and in the life of our church. Because listen, marching forth with God means marching into the unknown with Him even when it's uncomfortable. Even when we're unsure. We read here that the, the, when the first foot of one of the priests, when it touched the flooding water of the Jordan River, the water was split in half and the people began to cross the Jordan River. Are you with me? Amen. What this means is, 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 is this. The priests are standing here. They're looking at the Jordan River. The waters are rushing past. It's in flood stage. Two million people at their backs. But one of them had to take that step. One of them had to say, you know what? <laughs> this is crazy. One of them had to take that first step of faith and say, you know what? <laughs> you guys are going to think I'm crazy. And if I am, tell my family I love them. <laughs> right? But one of them had to take that first step into the unknown into uncertainty, into discomfort, in order for God's promise to be fulfilled, in order for the other two million people that were there to say, you know what, God is God and He is, he is going to prove His faithfulness to us. He is going to come through on His promise. I think so often the issue that we have in the church today, the church today, is that none of us are willing to step into the unknown. Not many of us are, are, are willing to step into the discomfort because I like where I'm at. And God, if you just leave me alone, I think, I think together with some other, some other people that I, that I have around, I think I can do this on, on my own. Look where we've gotten doing things on our own. A whole heap of trouble. 
But look where the Israelites got when they trusted God. They got across the Jordan River into the promised land that they've been pursuing for thousands of years. They got out of the desert and soon we find for the first time they're not eating that crusty old manna anymore. Whew. When the first foot of one of the priests touched the water of the Jordan River, the water was split in half. The people crossed into Canaan. Can you imagine this sight with me now? As the people walked by, the priests holding the Ark of the Covenant in the middle of the, the, the Jordan River bed. They're holding it high because they've got a renewed strength. Andrew read about it this morning. They've got a renewed strength in the Lord. They're holding it high. i got to tell you, if I'm one of the Israelites, I'm passing by those priests and I'm giving them high fives with their other hand. Praise Jesus. Well... Praise God, right? Old Testament. <laughs> Only one person laughed. That's okay. God did the impossible. Amen? He delivered on His promise. And friends, I want to tell you this. God can still do the impossible. God still will deliver on His promises if we choose to follow Him. As we choose to follow Him. I'll say it one more time. Marching forth with God means marching into uncertainty with Him even when it's uncomfortable. So church, let me ask you, how is God calling you into uncertainty? How is God calling you into uncertainty and discomfort. See, I, 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 I read throughout the Old and the New Testament, we, we, find, we find one thing. So often when God would call someone to an assignment, it wasn't met with great joy, great anticipation, saying, I can't wait to go face those people. I can't wait to stand up against knowing that my life is going to be on the line. I can't wait to do that. We don't find too many people being called into I told Karen this morning I started a sentence and I said sometimes I start a sentence and I don't want to finish it. We don't find too many people throughout the Old and the New Testament called into an hour every week sitting in a cushioned pew in a conditioned space so that they can go home not talk to Jesus not have a relationship with Jesus not tell anybody else in their life that they know Jesus not invite anyone to Jesus so that they can return next week sing songs that they like in a cushioned pew and a conditioned space. I just don't find that in my Bible. See, friends, I think God's preparing to do amazing things among us, but it means that we're going to have to face some discomfort. And it means that we're going to have to face some uncertainty. What is God calling you? It's uncertain. Even uncomfortable. 
So after I've stepped on your toes, jumped on your toes, and then, you know, kind of grounded in a little bit, let me say this. Prepare yourselves, church, because God is about to do amazing things among us. And what it means is that we must consecrate ourselves, that is, set ourselves aside for God's use. That's the equivalent of raising our hands and God, here I am, use me, I'm ready, I'm standing before you, pure as you have called me to be, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to submit to you in everything that I do, I'm yours. And as we move forward, it means that we must focus completely on Him, not to the left where there's so many distractions over here. Not to the right, where there's so much temptation over here. But no, we must focus completely on Him, His truth, His will, His way for us. Are we ready, friends? Are we ready, church? God's about to do amazing things among us. Praise the Lord. Amen. Happy birthday. Let's pray. Father God, thank You for this day that You have given to us. Thank You for Your Word of truth in our life. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus, that You called Joshua. Thank You, Jesus, that You led the Israelites. Thank You, Jesus, that You have done miraculous things far surpassing anything that we have ever seen, anything that we have ever known. But God, I want Your miracles, Lord, to be more than words on a page that we as a church read together and think back on. God, I want to see new miracles, Lord, come through this church family, Jesus. We pray, God, that You would raise up. Raise up servant leaders, Lord God, among us. I pray, God, that You would make Your presence so, so known to us in our life, God, that we cannot, we cannot keep silence. Jesus, help us to prepare ourselves as you prepare to do amazing things among us. And we will give you the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.